You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. Just so excited to be here. And honestly, I don't even know where here is right now because this place looks like a mixture between a lot of different places I've been in my life. So this must be Slumberland. Um, what do you, Christy, it, do you know where we are? There's a lot of butterflies. It looks like it's, you know, slowly taking shape. Maybe there's salsa dancing. Huh. Is that your dream world? Yeah, I forgot to mention in real life I'm a nun, but in my dreams I'm a salsa dancer. Oh, wow. That's that's so interesting. I thought you were married, but I guess I was wrong. Hmm. Well, <laughs> anyway, today we're gonna be catching up with a film that came out over the holiday season, over Christmas, with Slumberland, and it's over there on Netflix. It's starring Jason Momoa and Kyle Chandler. Christopher O'Dowd. Um, so check it out uh, if you haven't gotten a chance. Uh, and we'll let you know, too, if uh, we think you should see it. We're so excited, as always, to have you with us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope that you're supporting us over on Patreon. So you got to hear our exclusive Patreon episode in the VIP room. You can only get the VIP room episodes over on Patreon, and we'll have more of those to come throughout the year. So support us over at patreon.com slash trek.fm. Become part of the team. Uh, you can also support us uh, if you love the show. Hit us up with a star rating review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, you can also uh, support us as well by following us on social media. We're on Twitter at The 602 Club. We're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. Those are great places to share our shows and shout us out to other people. We love interacting with listeners as well. That's always a blast. Of course, you can find us on Facebook with the entire network at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And there is a listeners-only discussion group that you can join called the Babel Conference, and you can talk to listeners from all over the world about all the shows that are going on here on TFM. Um, of course, we've got lots of Star Trek going on as well outside the 602 Club. You can find us online at trek.fm, and maybe you'd like to send us an email. You can do that over at trek.fm slash contact. So, Christy, this was one that uh, there were a lot of things that came out streaming-wise over the holiday season, and we weren't able to talk about them all. Mm -hmm. Both of us are big fans of Jason Momoa, and I Heck didn't yeah. know this, though. But this is based off, like, the, the dream history of this comic is that it's based off a comic called Little Nemo in Slumberland by Windsor McKay. And that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the research I was looking at, uh, that comic started in 1905, which wow. so quite a long time ago, and uh, ran through 1927. Uh, it had been turned into an early animated film in 1911. Uh, there was a film version of it in 1984, and then another animated feature uh, with... Um, 
some Japanese artists involved in 1989. So I had no idea that this was something that had such a storied history, especially being like a comic strip from 1905. That's insane. Yeah, that gives me a lot more uh, love for it that it had this history, I mean, this level of history, because I thought it was a brand new story that they had just cooked up as a straight to Netflix, straight to streaming thing. So that's actually really cool. Yeah, I thought so, too. Uh, it was really neat to to be able to do this research and uh, find out that there was such a long history with this series. Um, and and I would actually be interested, especially to go back and, and watch the uh, animated film that came out in 1989 uh, because mm-hmm. I think that would be really uh, interesting to to see what they were able to do with that and I love anime animation you know with the Miyazaki films and those kind of things and I got a l- chance to look at some of that and it kind of reminded me of those movies so that's mm-hmm. really cool uh, and again like you had no idea uh, that this wasn't just something that was an idea that, you know, Netflix was like, yeah, we want to turn that into a movie, uh, that it had such a long and storied history. So that's very interesting. So one of the, I mean, people might not be familiar with any of that. They also might not just be familiar with the setup of this film in the first place. And so there's you know, like many kind of alternate fantasy type movies. This is a fantasy film that has its own rules and everything. And in this, we learn, you know, that Slumberland is real. Uh, And it's a place that's run by the Bureau of Subconscious Activities. So your dreams are actually a real place, basically, where your dreams are giving you what you need. And they're Um, planned, Yes, exactly, mm-hmm. which, wow, who plans some of that stuff? I don't know if I want to know that, but <laughs> what kind of minds think that up? Uh, but dreams can also be hacked, we learn. Like, there's a map, and it contains all of the dreams that happen in the in the world, the type of variations of dreams, and you can, like, if you learn the secrets of the map, you, you can... Uh, be in dream world or slumberland much longer by being able to get from one dream to the next through these secret doors. Um, And so that alone was just such an interesting idea, I think, for a movie that, you know, slumberland is this real place. And the, the reason for dreams is that they are to help somebody get from one place to the next in their real lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's cool because they've actually said scientifically in real life that dreams help us work out subconsciously things that we're troubled about or excited about, you know, so that we make sense of it while we sleep and then feel better about it in the morning, even if you don't remember it. And that's the other thing that we can have dreams and not necessarily remember that we had them, but that possibly you're always dreaming. You just may not remember it. And so I like that that also adds to the mystery here that they've created. And they just kind of built on that and added some new rules. So it still feels very mysterious to me because of those things. And I think that it's a great world to get to play with because it is so open-ended. Um, And I love that they're saying that 
there is this whole other world and, you know, the dream world. And thankfully, we're not going the route of like the Sandman or whatever, you know. Um, I like that they make it much more for kids and it's called Slumberland and it's a little more friendly, but that obviously they still have to address. There's this area where bad dreams do happen called the Sea of Nightmares. So I really like that they combined all of that together and don't set it up by giving you a lot of um, typed exposition to read or anything. They just kind of give you bits at a time and show you rather than tell you everything all at once at the beginning. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the film is that uh, there is this kind of slow reveal uh, throughout the film of all of the different rules that, that go along with Slumberland itself. And, you know, you, you find out as you go along uh, about rules like, you know, uh, you got to be careful how long you're in Slumberland. And if you get caught in somebody else's dream, you know, you you may not be able to return to your body, which they don't necessarily explain right away exactly because it feels like, oh, you might die. But really what that comes down to is that it cuts off a part of who you are, you know, from the real world. And therefore, you're kind of like, it's almost like you're splitting yourself. So you're not going to be a whole person. Uh, you're mm -hmm. only going to be like half of who you are, which is kind of terrifying. You know, um, the, the fact of, you know, having the sea of nightmares and being able to find a pearl that grants you any wish in slumberland and, and the map and how all that works and how the bureau itself works and like everything is is i think doled out in a way that builds in the film our understanding of this world and everything but i i feel like one of the things they do really well they they don't overburden you with information. They don't overshare, and and they just give you what you need to help the story real make sense. But then it allows your imagination, I think, to to run wild, which to me is is honestly the best thing you could do. Yeah, especially when it's a movie that I do feel is aimed more at the younger audience. It's also helping them deal with some very big overarching themes by making it a little more bite-sized and fun and adding, you know, even just the like whimsical nature of how some of the dreams look. Um, I loved the reveal of the driver of the garbage truck because, you know, Nemo says, who would dream of driving a garbage truck? And of course it's a little kid who says, I'm driving my truck. <laughs> so, you know, that like, Little kids have very fantastical dreams, but then also maybe they dream of something simple like that. But to them, that's a really exciting thing. It's independence, you know, so I like that, too. Yeah, no, I, it, it's funny when it was revealed who the driver was, was like, oh, of course, that makes sense that it's a little boy who loves trucks because, I, you know, I have two nephews and I have quite a few friends that have young boys and Oh my gosh, almost every single one of them loves trucks, you know. They also <laughs> love um, Paw Patrol, which is animals with trucks, you know. And so there's this thing, especially with young boys, but, you know, young girls can love them too. There's just something about big trucks that's appealing, and they love it. So, yeah, I absolutely adored uh, that being a part of the film and 
you know, I think them kind of playing on all the different types of dreams, like who knew that the the most popular dream in Canada is flying on massive geese, Canadian you know? geese. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, knowing where the next Tim Horton stop is. So uh, that was that was funny. Um, but I, you know, all of that, I think it just again they create a really rich world. And to me, too, one of the smart parts of the film with kind of creating Slumberland and making it this real place is that you're helped by not needing everything to look perfect visually and visual effects-wise because you're in the dream world. And, you know, if anyone who remembers their dreams, there are very few dreams that are so vivid that you actually feel like they're super real so much of our dream world is you know this kind of weird nebulous thing and and most of us don't remember too much of our dreams there are some dreams that you know uh, many people remember very vividly but for the most part they're just kind of these amorphous feelings that we're left with and so to have the dream world here you're, you're not needing perfection in the the visual effects but i i was actually struck by it and i thought they did a very good job of visualizing slumberland uh especially like you to speak of the one that's probably the most unrealistic and and kind of fake looking is the one with the young boy driving the truck through the city but the city is based around what his toys are which is are these mm. you know um kind of translucent blue blocks that he has. Uh, and so when you see that later on in the film, it makes sense, you know? And so uh, to me, all of that really works about this story because it, and, and it helps the film because you're, you're not needing perfection. What you're needing is imagination. And I think that's the thing that, that makes this work. Whereas maybe some other films, visual effects might be a hindrance if they're not perfect this mm -hmm. movie i don't think it made any difference to me i'm so glad you said that because i didn't even think of that aspect of it that yeah you're right i mean in general our dreams are either things we don't remember or we loosely remember and as far as being able to pick out like a picture perfect image from a dream it's really hard to do unless you had one that was like a recurring dream or that really stood out to you but generally we don't remember them very well so i think that's a really good call out to that helping them and also that they represented that aspect of dreams here um and i think too it's nice to see the things that they're showing are people like I said before, trying to work out either things they never accomplished in life, things that they don't think they will, so they dream about. Like I said, like the woman who turns out to be a nun that's a salsa dancer in her dreams. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wearing a very saucy dress. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so, you know, that there's all kinds of reasons people dream what they dream. But I like that they also bring it back to it's what you need, not just what you want. And that you can't always dream about what you want to dream about. Yeah. I mean, and I'll honestly, most of us don't and aren't able to, right. you know, and I think that's, you know, something of course that we learn uh, throughout the movie too, 
with this idea that um, you are able to connect in the, in Slumberland in a way that allows you to control the dreams that you go into and the adventures you can have, um, and how by the hacking able, exactly, but how you're able to do that. Um, they never really explain. They never explain how Nemo's dad and brother were able to do so. Uh, and and I think, but that I think would take us out of the film again. You know, Slumberland mm-hmm. is a real place, but some of this is not necessary to, for us to be able to enjoy the film i don't need this is not a movie where i need all of that explained um and so um it is just one of those things to which makes these characters special right and Mm -hmm. i think one of the things you know that really helps in the movie is there there i feel like this really and yes this is a pun uh it's a dream cast um and part of that comes down to the fact um, that I think Marlo Barkley as Nemo, you know, she's our main character. She's the one to which this entire story has to flow through. And if I don't connect with her, the movie is lost. It, you know, oh, yeah. Jason Momoa and everybody else, they're not going to be able to do anything to make this movie work if she doesn't work. And I think she's a phenomenal young actress and does such a great job here in this movie as a young girl she's already lost her mother really before she can even remember and now she's lost her father and that weight that she's carrying on you know her whole goal is just to want to see him again and she i just i felt every single thing that i'm supposed to feel throughout the film with her performance uh and i i couldn't have been more impressed with what she was able to do on screen uh and that's hard to say a lot of times with young child actors um but she was was just phenomenal right like especially in this kind of role she could have easily just stuck to the i'm angry at the world vibe uh but she didn't i felt like especially for her age and for trying to portray a character of that age, she had a lot of range and really got across in the moment the depth of her emotion about the situation, whether it was positive or negative. You know, I think that the scenes of her and Flip going on adventures, you can see, you know, in her how well she portrays that joy and how it's great, especially after she's lost her both her parents now that she's able to still have some joy. Um, And then also I really love how well she played the scenes in real life of trying to get to know her uncle, but feeling torn. Like she just wants her dad back because I mean, anybody would, but especially a kid who that's all she's known for most of her life. And now it's like, she's got to start over. Um, I just thought she really did such a great job with that. And I, can't wait to see what else this actress does. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one criticism I will have of not of her, but just of the uh, writing is I wish that she had a different name because all I think of is finding Nemo. <laughs> right. Well, so I'm I'll 
I'm glad you brought that up. I was I was going to bring it up later because it goes along with one of the thematic elements. But I think mm-hmm. she's well. That's the original name from the comic strip, and I know. it was a boy. But the way that they play this movie, I actually think it makes complete sense for her to be named Nemo because the the character Nemo comes from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Right. And Captain what Nemo. is what is Captain Nemo's main goal? is to be secluded and reclusive from the from the real world. Mm-hmm. He's created his own reality basically aboard the Nautilus. He's created his own world. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly who uh she as Nemo, that's the that's the conundrum that she's in because her whole goal is to gain the pearl right which is allow which would allow her to see her dad and then her goal really throughout most of this movie is that she never wants to wake up again right because she wants to live in a reality where her dad is still there yeah. and so the name nemo i think to me really worked because it connects so well with the, with the idea of you know one of the literary one of the most famous literary characters whose whole goal was to create their own reality and be mm-hmm. reclusive from the real world. And so that's why it really worked for me. Um, and because I, one, I really love the the book to 20,000 leagues in the sea. And we talked about the Disney adaptation of the film mm-hmm. as well here a few years ago. Um, but, and it, that's why it worked for me because, too, you know, she has the connection to the ocean. They work with the lighthouse and all yeah. that stuff. So so I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but that's just why, for me, it ended up really working. That it's more timeless than that. Right. Well, but it, it, it the name itself kind of let you know what her struggle is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's representational of everything that the character is like um, – internally has going on um Mm -hmm. and the the choice that she's going to have to make right the choice that comes down to am i going to choose to live in the real world or am i going to choose to live in an imaginary world Mm -hmm. or a world of quote unquote my own making um and so yeah but um we we have two sides of the the same coin um, we have Jason Momoa playing Flip, and then we have Chris O'Dowd playing Philip. And we learn throughout the film that they're actually the same person, but Flip is the version that Philip was in Slumberland. He's the boisterous character who, you know, uh, was larger than life and was fearless and, and just like willing to try and do anything and you know jason momoa i think brings that off so well i'm so glad he was not a clown like he was in the comic strip because i can't stand clowns kind of making (laughs) him almost like this centaur like character uh without the 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 goat bottom half i think really worked and um he just you know he has such a presence in general uh, but I felt like he was a very good choice to play this character who is really the arrested, developed version of Philip, you know, because he's completely lost who he is. He doesn't know who he is. And um, he also hasn't been able to grow, really. 
So I, I, I loved the way that, that he played this character and I thought it was an excellent choice. And, you know, Jason, I love James Momo anyway. Um, but I think he's able to use a lot of his natural kind of gravitas, uh, for the role in the first place. Um, but he, he's also able to, I think, portray almost the tragicness of this character who's been cut off from his other half for so long. And again, he really is more like a lost man boy in the end than he is anything else because he hasn't been able to stay connected to who he is on the outside and therefore he's never grown up. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like Peter Pan in that way. Right, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking because he is all about having fun and if it's not fun, I'm not going to do it. You know, I love especially when Nemo tells him, what his real self does. And he's just like, well, that sounds super boring. I'm glad I'm not that guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, um, but I, I remember the moment where I thought to myself as Philip is showing Nemo videos of him and his brother, and you finally have the realization um, that he is the real life version of flip. It's just, he's lost that part of himself. It's such a good reveal in a subtle way and um, even showing his kid self in sort of a similar costume um, to help her get it more. And I love Jason Momoa, like you said, anyway, just as a, an actor, but I'm glad here that he didn't just go completely ridiculous into being a clown the whole movie. I like that he can really lean into the dramatic aspects and like you said, get across that he's ignoring dealing with things and maturing. Yeah. Yeah. He's choosing to stay a kid forever and party all the time and act like life is just meant to be a fantasy and that you never have any problems and that's not real life. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, you're 100% right. And I think on the flip side of that, Chris O'Dowd playing Philip, you know, I've seen him in many things and usually he's in a much more humorous uh, mood in, in the sense they have him playing a lot more humor. But here, right. he, I think he does a fantastic job of playing this reclusive doorknob salesman who is shut off from everything and 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 shut off in a way that you know, is damaging and hurtful, not only to himself, but everybody around him. And he can't see it and he can't realize it and he can't care because a whole portion of himself is gone. And, um, I, I really, you know, and it's so beautiful. Like, you know, he's trying to reach out to Nemo. Um, but he really truly kind of lacks a whole portion of himself that would make that possible. Uh, and I just, he does such a great job of playing that because that's such a hard thing to play, play mm -hmm. it like half of who you are is gone. And it's the half that allows, that allows you to relate best to people, be empathetic, be caring, be loving, cut that out of yourself. And, and what does that look like? And he does a, a really good job of somebody who like, who's always on the border of being able to push through, but just can't quite do it. Right. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up, too, that the actor is known for doing more comedy as well, that, you know, you're seeing him in this dramatic role and wondering how it's going to come across. And he does do such a great job. He really shows the struggle. I, I'm glad that he also gets across that 
he didn't want this. You know, from the very beginning, you hear, overhear the conversation of him and Carla, where she says it's either this or she goes to the, the state. You know, she's a foster care child at that point. Um, and so he reluctantly agrees. Um, but at least he's trying. But it is true that he, he's showing there's still a piece missing. And I think that it really showed his character best when he was at the meeting with her counselor. And he said... I didn't deal with my problems and I turned out fine. Right. And you just immediately as the audience go, Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, that did not work out well for you. You think Um, you did. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I think too, one of the things that they did perfectly in this film was to cast Kyle Chandler uh, as her father. And, you know, Kyle Chandler was coach Taylor on Friday night lights one of the mm-hmm. best characters on television ever written. Um, one of the best, I probably the best marriage ever portrayed in, in television or in just about any uh, form of media, such a true representation of what real marriage actually looks like a really successful one, um, which they do such a good job. Anyway, this is not a, a Friday night lights podcast, but <laughs> he's so good. And in the small amount of time that he has on screen, he gets across everything you need to love him and to understand why it is that Nemo would be willing to throw away everything else in her life for being with him more. You know, the relationship that they've built, the closeness that they have um and the trust that they have in one another is is really really beautifully done and you know it it's quite idyllic obviously the life that they have um but you can tell this is a dad who spent an enormous amount of time like just so much time pouring into his child and making sure that they feel loved and cared for and understand the world around them you know um, you know, his goal is to help her understand, uh, you know, the, the, the reason for, um, you know, why he talks about the idea of like, you know, when, when you can answer this question, you can, you can have the keys to the lighthouse, you know, he, and what it is, he's trying to get her to understand the larger meanings of life. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, he's just so good. Like he really is. Oh yeah. I, I feel like you see these actors and actresses that are known so well as the TV or movie mom and dad. And he, to me is the quintessential like movie dad because, you know, he was recently in the Godzilla movies as the father and he's been in so many great dramatic roles as that kind of character. Um, I think that he immediately brings a lot of gravitas as the father here and that he is trying to teach her so much about the bigger meaning of life. And I'm glad that they then also show as she's dealing with things and realizing he's not coming back. And eventually you have to let that go. That she's also learning from him after he's passed, that she's finally putting together what that meaning is of what the lighthouse is really for. Um, and how to be brave. I mean, I love that she has that moment with the um, 
agent of the Bureau of Subconscious Activities, where she tells her what dreams are for and that you don't always get to choose and that you can't just live in your dream forever. You know, that ultimately you can honor best what you had with your dad by moving on and carrying the good memories with you. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, a hundred percent agree. Um, and you know, I, you mentioned that and I, I think that's one of the things that this movie, uh, really dives into. Um, and you know, uh, this kind of, I, I was thinking of the song dream, a little dream of me, which is really what Nemo ends up wanting, you know, um, she's, been raised by this father after her mother passed away and they run this lighthouse they have this idyllic life you know i mean she's been homeschooled um she knows how to run the lighthouse they sail together they play piano together um he tells her stories every night about him and flip um that mm-hmm. she thinks are just stories but doesn't realize that but they do everything together and then when he's lost one night she's lost and i think you know her learning in her dreams from Flip that he was a real person in this, you know, like it, basically he is this character that his dad really went on these adventures and there's this map that can help her find a pearl in the sea of nightmares that will grant her a wish in Slumberland so that she can, you know, basically be with her dad and never leave. I mean... How it, it, I think the thing that I loved about the the movie is that it it helps set up the reason that so many of us want to escape. It helps mm-hmm. set up the reason that so many of us want to create a world all of our own to um, get lost in fantasy or in dreams, um, and I, I think. That's a really important thing because before that, you can't have any of the answers first. You actually, I think you need audience members to be reminded of even the reasons why somebody watching the film, especially anyone that's in their teens or older, so many of us have reasons why we've wanted to abandon reality for fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I think the movie does a very good job of helping set that up so that the journey then that Nemo is going to take becomes one of important self-discovery, becomes one to which, you know, we talked about the beginning, the, the Bureau sets up these adventures for people to be able to move forward in their lives, to learn the lessons they need to learn. But I think first for that to be the case, you have to actually set up well in the movie why she would want to give it all up to be with her father forever in a world that's not really real. Mm -hmm. That basically the, the overarching theme there is, Avoiding dealing with the things that are difficult in life. That that's a common thing we all share. Everyone at some point says, I just want to ignore it and hope it goes away. Or I just want to 
go to this other world of fantasy and pretend it never happened. And that ultimately that hurts you. And like we've said, it, it takes away uh, the good part of you and that it's living a full life is done by learning how to deal with the difficult things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, the agent even says the nightmares will go away when you face them and you're brave and you deal with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I I like what you said there about the idea of that this is the thing that makes us not want to deal with things or to talk about them or to just shove them under the rug, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking, and to retreat to a place that's safe. You know, right. there's a there's a quote in here where they 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 kind of say it, but it, it was said in one of my favorite shows called Ed with Tom Cavanaugh back in the day. Oh, and yeah. and it's um somebody says, you know, boats are safe in the harbor, but that's not what boats are for. Mm-hmm. And this idea of, yeah, you can stay in a safe space. Right. But that's not what life is like. We're, we're mm-hmm. you know, and, and life is learning how to deal with and process everything that comes at us, the good and the bad, so that we can move forward. Um, and again, I think, you know, they had to set up the reason why you, you would want to retreat and help us to live that so that we could get to the whole idea of being lost in dreams, you know, um, where you can lose who you are, you know, flip being actually part of Philip, who's the outgoing, adventurous, bold person. And because he got lost in there, who he is in the real world is shut off, closed off. He's walled off emotionally. Um, and I think the movie just does such a beautiful job then of showing how dangerous it is to get lost in dreams and for fantasy and forget to live. Um, you know, it really reminded me of what Dumbledore tells Harry. He's like, it, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Mm-hmm. Because by doing so, and we actually see this in the film, it's, it's, it's just shown to us. Philip is actually hurting people around him because he's, he's not able to do any of those things anymore. Because he lost a part of himself in fantasy land. And he can't truly emote and be there for his niece in the way that she needs. But he also couldn't do that for his brother either. Like, him cutting himself off hurt his relationship with his brother Mm -hmm. in a way that he didn't realize had happened until, you know, you bring everything together. So I just thought this was such a really powerful message um and 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 the danger of being lost in fantasy land you know being lost 20,000 leagues out of the nightmare sea you know this is <laughs> this is dangerous stuff right and it, it it truly is in our world when you get so lost in your own i'll call it headcanon mm-hmm. you know your own little world your own little reality um you're hurting the rest of the world around you by people not having the real you, you know, and this movie does a great job. I think of, of being able to just show that to us and the effect that it has. 
Yeah, the moment where he really breaks down and says why he and his brother became estranged, I think makes so much of Philip and Flip both make more sense. Obviously, this is the way they designed it. But I love then even too, you see how it's like he's become whole again, that the two halves came together after she uses the pearl for him and tells him to wake up. Um, you see the dependable nurturing sides of Philip come back and that he's mm-hmm. more bold. You know, he's actually flirting with the counselor now and, right. you know, lifting her watch. And then she's like, okay, can I have it back? Um, but yeah, you see how how life could be if you decide to hide in your own headspace and not accept Mm -hmm. things and move forward in life and that you can forget who you are and that he ultimately had to decide what was important. And I'm so glad you called out, especially the the whole thing between him and his brother, because that brought me to tears when he said what he thought his brother must have thought about him is why he cut off communication Like, well, he got married and went on his own adventure and I was just a doorknob salesman. So what did I have to bring to the table? And it's like, no, that wasn't all you were. And he always Mm -hmm. felt the same about you. So, you know, that that was the tipping point was so sad. And that that's possibly a realistic thing that people have done in their own lives. And maybe as a message to say, don't let what you think of yourself cut you off from people that you love. Yeah. No, I, I, I just, I hundred percent agree with you, and I think it's it's one of the huge strengths of this movie, um, because this really is such an important message, you know. And I was actually thinking of another Jason Momoa role uh, from Dune, you know, where he says to Paul when they're talking about these dreams he's been having about this girl, and he says, you know, dreams make good stories, but everything that and, but everything important happens when we're awake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like that's a very good parallel for where we are in this this movie and what it's trying to tell us. Um, the most important things happen while we're in the real world, when we're, a, we're interacting with reality. Um, that's where the, the true important relationships come from that's where the truly important adventures come from and that's where the truly important lessons of life work themselves out Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I think you know this is such a a, a strength Um, you know and I I really I, I really responded to what this movie was saying because I think it is something that the world um the world is so much about these days trying to make people just feel safe um secure in this you know whatever you want to call it and this uh, that's not where we're meant for right um we're not meant for safe spaces we're we're not meant for any of those things we're meant to live uh, in a world that is going to be painful sometime, it's going to be hurtful. It's going to to 
you know, but it's also going to be joyful and wonderful and all of those things. And, and I think by, again, we see through the character of Philip, you are constantly being cut off from the good of life when you do hide like that. When you Mm -hmm. seclude yourself, you know, uh, and lose yourself basically in your own little world. And the other thing that I thought was really gorgeous about this film, and it's something we've talked about many times, is the idea of sacrificial love. And here it's sacrificing dreams, right? And sometimes the most loving thing we can do is to sacrifice our dreams for someone else. I just thought it was so beautiful in the end of the movie that Nemo is willing to sacrifice her dream of seeing her father again in the dream world to basically resurrect her uncle and to give him a full life, to save him and to make him whole. And to me, that that was just so, so beautiful because, again, we also, I think, live in a world that tells people to only go for their own dreams and do whatever they have to do to get them and be damned anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so dangerous and so hurtful and so um, damaging because that's not actually what life is all about. Life is actually all about the relationships that we have with one another. Um, And it's not just about getting whatever I can get and I'll do whatever I have to do to get them and I'll sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice not my own dreams, but I will sacrifice anybody else basically on the altar of those dreams. And so, um, yeah, I, I, it just, I, I'm rambling, I feel like, but it's just, no, it was, there was, I was just so struck by how beautiful that was. And that even as young as she was, that she made such a mature decision because she cared so much about him and what her father saw in his brother and that he needed to be himself again. And, not hide anymore. And so she gives up the thing that she wants the most in the entire world. And that's to see her dad again in order for him to be better. And it is beautiful. And I think that I don't think you're rambling at all. It's a a big moment that I think, like I said, she's such a young character to be dealing with and able to make the right decision shows also, um, how much she grows throughout her journey. And then she's rewarded for that sacrificial love by being given another chance to see her dad. Yeah. I mean, because too, in the end, like she had learned the lesson, which is Mm -hmm. that the lighthouse is meant to keep people safe. It's meant to help bring people home. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's not about keeping boats safe. It's about keeping people safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just something, again, it, it, it's, it's so much deeper than, you know, you would think it would be. And, and I was just, I think this movie just very much surprised me because I, all I had to go on was what I had seen in a trailer for it. But I was just shocked by the depth of the movie. And I thought the the beauty of the messages and the way that they were able to come across, it didn't feel like preachy or in your face it just felt like a wonderfully crafted story that the type that you know um when george lucas talks about you know the reason that he created star wars and he had created it to be this thing that helped 
um, relay good morals, meanings, and messages to young children in a fun package, that's exactly what I felt like this movie was able to do. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, anyway, I, I probably should just get us to our ratings at this point because I, everybody's probably <laughs> thinking like, oh my gosh, they've had nothing but effusive praise for this film. So Christy, where do you fall down with your ratings for this movie? So I obviously like you was really impressed and surprised by the depth that, that this movie ended up having. Um, and it wasn't just fluff and another kid movie about a place called Slumberland. It had so much more going on that you don't expect just from the thumbnail or the trailer. And so I really encourage people to give it a chance. I end up giving it a four out of five um, butterflies because it it has such a beautiful story to tell and has a fun package um, and then some really great casting choices that I think without it wouldn't have been what it is. So, yeah, I, I really recommend it. I obviously don't think it's perfect, but thought it was very good and would actually love to know if my nieces and nephews have seen it. Mm, yeah, I... A hundred percent agree with you. Like uh, I, I mean, I'm the exact same position too with the rating. It's four out of five. Uh, this movie surprised me in all the best ways, and I hope that people will listen to this and go watch it because I really do think it's worth it. It's it's a really good movie. And it's a great movie, I think, to watch with your kids, uh, you know, and to be able to talk about those things, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think uh, this movie gives you the opportunity to be able to walk through some difficult things, you know, um, unfortunately, and, and it is a sad, unfortunate reality that, you know, many kids uh, are in a place where they've had to walk through terrible things. Um, and I think this does a great job of, of being able to give parents the opportunity to, to talk with their kids about these type of things. So uh, 100% right there with you. This is this is one people should go check out on Netflix. Uh, but Christy, it is that time of the show for our recommendations. And so uh, what do you want to recommend to everybody this week? Well, surprisingly enough, I am reading books again. I know. Go figure. I'm usually the person that's like, I don't have time to read books. Yes, I do. Uh, so I'm actually reading something that I had heard about for a long time and finally picked up and have nothing but good things to say about so far. And that's the book by Robin Roberts about her journey with cancer called Everybody's Got Something. And I was actually recommended it when I was dealing with Crohn's disease um, initially years ago, um, first being diagnosed. And so I think that it's something that can help people regardless of what you're going through, because it's saying that we all have that in common. It doesn't matter whether it's personal circumstances or disease or whatever, everybody's got something. And so the, the positivity that she brings and um, encouragement to face what you're going through and be brave, I think is a really great message. Um, and a lot of details that I didn't know about what she's been through. So I highly recommend checking out her book, Everybody's Got Something by Robin Roberts. That's great. I mean, I, I love those kind of books. And, you know, uh, those those type of things that are just so life-affirming are awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really cool. Uh, well, I'm going to recommend something a, a little less uh, heart uh, heart involved. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it is, but I just went to the, the movies today 
And I saw Plane with uh, Gerard Butler. And, you know, I when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, this is just me silly and stupid. But, you know, it's just a good action survivalist type movie. Hmm. I, and I enjoyed it. Like, it's like a tight hour 45. And it's just, it was really, really enjoyable. Um, I thought it was really well done. Uh, and, and I did not expect that at all. So I highly encourage you uh, to go check out Plane. Uh, if you've already seen Avatar a few million times, uh, this is uh, this is definitely worth going to check out. Um, so I, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, Chrissy, if people you know wanted to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on these days uh, outside of the Six Hundred Two Club, where where they find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell, and of course in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And when I'm not here, you know, I did a show for a little while with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabers and Spells. And I hope that you'll keep an eye out on my social media pages for other cool things coming out. Um, but definitely don't forget if you haven't joined us as a Patreon supporter yet here, Matt and I just did our first patreon episode for 602 the best and worst of 2022 and you can be part of the vip room if you become a patreon supporter and listen to that episode absolutely you're gonna want to do that 100 because uh we've got some fun things coming up for you as well there uh, you can find me all over social media under the name matrishing 02 uh twitter instagram letterbox vero are the places that i'm most active uh, you can also find me of course in the 602 club doing a assembling avengers and snyder cuts with john mills uh as we talk through some really focused shows it's a lot of fun doing those with him uh also here on the network you'll find me doing literary treks about the books and the comics of star trek warp 5 about star trek enterprise the orb about star trek deep space 9 you'll also find me on saddle up about strange new worlds and the Artificial Tango is about to come back as Season 3 of Star Trek Picard is about to drop there in February. So Chris and I can't wait to start talking about that again. And then you'll find me over on the Nerd Party Network with two shows. One's completed. It was all about Harry Potter. Uh, every single chapter of that series, in fact, Drea Kaufman and I talked about. And then you can find me over on Aggressive Negotiation when, where the aforementioned John Mills and I talk about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now you hear 